Gone are the days of knights and chivalry, and yet that hasn't changed God's vision of you as a man of valor. Today, pornography is a simple mouse click away, and sexual addiction is at an epidemic level. Dr. Mark Laser is an internationally known author and speaker, the leading Christian authority on sexual addiction, and the host of Faithful and True's online radio production, The Men of Valor Program. Here now is Dr. Mark Laser. Welcome to the Men of Valor program. Today, Randy, we're on Chapter 14 of the book, Fight of Your Life, by Dr. Clinton and myself. And uh, we've had a lot of fun, I think, kind of journeying through these uh, chapters. We're getting toward the end of the book. We have a couple more chapters to go. I'm actually um, a little sad that we're nearing the end of the book because this has been a fun series. I uh, totally appreciate the work that went into the book by you and Tim. And I think that the advice that is being shared with people out there, uh, you know, the more we've gotten into this, the more this book is universally uh, relevant for both men and women. And today's chapter is going to be even more so, because today's chapter 14 is titled Healing Your Marriage. Yeah, and that's a very large topic. That that is the subject of books and books and books and workshops and seminars and lots of things. So I, I was just thinking when we were getting ready for the show that it's kind of a daunting task to think that you could write one chapter in this uh, book about healing marriages. But then in uh, reviewing the chapter again, it does seem to me that we've just kind of simplified things down to some some basic elements of what's going to be a part of a journey. And what we're talking about here, by the way, assumes that there's a marriage in which there has been some level of sexual betrayal. Well, you and uh, Deb have done an earlier show that I'm sure you can check our podcast library for uh, that dealt with the 15 things couples do who do well. Uh, And you said this is kind of a a summation of that in in some form. It's a simplification of it down to its bare essence, I think. And uh, uh, given the fact that this is what uh, Debbie and I do every day, work with couples who have experienced sexual betrayal, it's obviously for us... Uh, a large uh, topic. And uh, one of the things we talk about in the chapter that we can get through uh, here in a minute is uh, four T's, which uh, one of the things, you know, this is going to sound arrogant, I suppose, but one of the things... <laughs> oh, newsflash. Well, yeah, when, when <laughs> is, time, time out. Let, when, me write, let me write this down. When, when does that ever stop? Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, one of the things I, I do like about the book is that... Uh, it it is uh, easy to understand. It does kind of condense things into some uh, very essential things. So, well, one of my favorite parts. I know I've said that uh, earlier in this series. I love how you wrote this book. I love the you know this particular chapter starts off with a story about a guy named Bill. Okay, right, right. you know, and his he had spent the majority of of his childhood alone. His dad was a workaholic. His mom was uh, was sad and lonely, which led to being an alcoholic. Uh, Bill was a good looking, ultra athletic guy who found it easy once he got to mm-hmm. high school to have girls throw themselves at him. You know, kind of one thing led to another, and then he he found himself uh, early on. He found the girl of his dreams, and mm-hmm. along the way, he realized how. 
his dad, in his workaholic, round-the-clock routine, had been keeping a mistress on the side, which was really at the heart of his mother's sorrow. Right. Um, and so right. then, he, you know, he rationalized to himself, well, gee, if this was good enough for dad, this is good yeah. enough for me. Uh, and you guys, you know, I just think that relevant, easy to relate to real life stories like that always help to get your point across. Well, and uh, should we say that obviously Bill and Sharon uh, are the fictitious names uh, of a couple that we've actually worked with. So um, they're doing well today. I, you know, I, I think that uh, one of the biblical truths we can uh, uh, rest in is that. God takes uh, these situations of shattered vows, uh, broken trust, and uh, he can work with uh, people if they're willing to put in the time and effort, and they can have uh, actually better marriages. Uh, Debbie and I always like to say that marriages can not only survive, but they can thrive. Well, that was one of the parts in this chapter that I appreciated, is that after you describe Bill and his life and his relationship and how things transpire, you do bring us full circle uh, to the point that it's clear that today Bill and his wife Sharon do have a, a, a better marriage than they ever had in the past, and they are uh, it's, it's a success story. So um, why don't we start with a first concept that you want to touch on, on healing your marriage, then we can take our commercial break, and when we come back, uh, you can continue on. Well, I think the first concept in the chapter is a recognition of uh, the uh, nature of the fact that when there has been some uh, form of sexual infidelity, there the the main damage to the spouse is uh, broken trust, and that uh, they may have lots of other consequences to the spouse. Uh, you know, it may affect her self-image, it may affect her uh, confidence, uh, it may affect uh, a lot of things, it's uh, not dissimilar to the effects of post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, and the trust issue is, you know, one of the first things that we're going to need to address. So I think even getting into it, I, I can hear some of the the general listeners out there thinking, well, you know, it was just a little pornography. But uh, I think looking at pornography breaks trust and is an act of infidelity um, I don't really think you can put this on a relative scale Well, and, of seriousness, in other words. Exactly. And, and as you say in the book, trust is the most important ingredient in any relationship. And it's also very fragile. Trust takes time to build and can be destroyed in an instant. Right, exactly. So Debbie's book, as um, many of our listeners already know, has a title that um, really kind of captures it. It's the book title is uh, Shattered Vows, and when a husband is even looking at just pornography, it, it's, it's, a, it's a broken trust. It's a shattered, shattered, shattering of vows, you know. So the, uh, the first thing we really talk about in the chapter uh, is how to get help for the husband so that he doesn't repeat the sin, but then also 
how to get help for the wife so that she can get some support for herself. Well, let's do this. Let's take our break. And when we come back, you can address what it takes. Trust is always a two-way street, and it involves being vulnerable one to another. And how do you begin to rebuild the trust once it's been broken? You're listening to Dr. Mark Laser, and this is the Men of Valor program. struggle with the use of pornography? Faithful and True is a Christian-based counseling center specializing in the treatment of sexual addiction and compulsive behavior issues. Our well-trained staff has the highest levels of clinical expertise combined with personal experience to understand and effectively treat your sexual addiction. We have a proven track record for helping men who are seeking a transformation in their lives. Our Men of Valor three-day intensive workshops led by Dr. Mark Laser and Dr. Greg Miller, are the most effective and affordable treatment program in the country. Our workshop alumni rate our workshops as life-changing. We also offer workshops for spouses and couples. If you're ready to make a change in your life and are seeking a treatment program provided by the top Christian experts in the sexual addiction field, visit us today at faithfulandtrue.com to learn more. That's FaithfulAndTrue.com. Time now for the Trigger of the Week. Trigger of the Week, Randy. Uh, we always have uh, some fun and conversation trying to come up with this, don't we? Yeah, we do. Uh, and I think one of the things we were recognizing today, uh, and we should say that we're recording this show on a day that the uh, the effects of the low-pressure system that was involved down in Mexico of uh, Hurricane Patricia has uh, descended upon the a large part of the country, including uh, the upper Midwest here. So we're having rain and wind and uh, very low pressure. And I think low pressure uh, has the ability, even chemically in our bodies, to bring our own moods down. And we can call it seasonal affective disorder, whatever we want to call it. But uh, I'm just saying that the trigger of the week is low pressure, not stress pressure, low pressure. Weather. Weather pressure. And, uh, well, we have firsthand experienced uh, this. Uh, you, you know of what you speak. Number one, you have been training uh, to take your pilot's license at some point, so you've got this uh, background knowledge that has been quite interesting for you to attain. But mm-hmm. just this past weekend, you and I had the joyful 
uh, task of going down to the Houston, Texas area where we brought the Fight of Your Life event and uh, we saw firsthand the effects right. of the <laughs> the outer fringes of Patricia right. uh, as we uh, were just uh, very grateful for the ride we were being given back to the airport after a great event with just a, a full house of wonderful men down there at Friendswood Community Church. Uh, our friend Steve Shelby, one of the pastors down there, gave us a ride back, and it's about an hour drive to the airport, and it was through a driving <laughs> rainstorm right. uh, provided by that low-pressure front from that hurricane. Uh, so we do know of what we speak. Uh, that and f- what was it? Was it four delays of our flight trying to something like four delays? But uh, but God was good, and uh, we did get out of there uh, finally. Uh, I think what we're saying in the trigger of the week is that sometimes weather, even low pressure systems, storms, hurricanes, whatever they are, uh, can trigger us into uh, wanting to cope somehow and uh, improve our mood. I I know the low-pressure system, uh, when I started out the day, it's just like your mood is lower, and uh, you have to really work carefully at uh, doing good things for yourself to bring your mood back up. That was amplified for me today because we have been in the midst of a very challenging week uh, with uh, with news around here. Uh, our local, uh, you know, we're both uh, sports fans, big sports fans, and right. uh, our head basketball coach of the Minnesota Timberwolves, Flip Saunders, passed away uh, after a uh, tremendous battle with uh, with. Uh, cancer, and yet the news was rather shocking. He was only sixty years old, right. and then this morning we woke up to the totally unanticipated news that the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers head football coach Jerry Kill announced his retirement, his retirement this morning, mm-hmm. and it's it's because of health reasons with his epilepsy and right. and uh, a number of other health uh, conditions, and it caught us all off guard. That together with this rainy weather. Yeah. Uh, it, today has been a challenging day to uh, you know to elevate your spirits to their normal level. Yeah, that's right. So, well, you know, one of the things we're emphasizing uh, occasionally with trigger of the week is it's not just a direct sexual trigger that gets us in trouble, but it's oftentimes these emotional triggers. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so that's our trigger of the week today. Okay. Well, let's bring our listeners back to chapter 14 of The Fight of Your Life, in which we are talking about healing your marriage. Right. So we left off with talking about the idea of getting the wife some help. And uh, I just want to uh, emphasize the fact that while the uh, we, we, we here only work with husbands who have been sexually unfaithful, so I uh, don't want to be um, one-sided in uh, the obvious fact that you know sexual infidelity can go both directions. So when we talk about a spouse getting help here, we're uh, talking about a wife getting help. It's uh, it's really kind of a uh, a delicate subject because uh, uh, we don't want um, the wives to hear that they're equally responsible for the sexual sin, or if they had just done more of this or less of that. Um, this wouldn't have happened. So just, you know, but we uh, we firmly believe that the house, uh, the wife, uh, the spouse needs uh, uh, support for herself, a place to be able to talk freely, get encouragement and uh, and grieve and be angry and all of the things that she needs to be. That's that's critically important. Well, we were talking about trust when we went to the to the uh, commercial break. And you say in the book that trust is always earned. 
uh, if trust has right. been violated, it takes time right. for, for earning new trust to develop. Right. And along the way, forgiveness is the cornerstone of rebuilding any relationship. Well, that's right. And I think uh, we've had several conversations this morning, one with a couple in another part of the country and one with a local couple about how long this journey takes. And uh, one of the things we were talking about is that we kind of run into some uh, classic uh, ideas, you know, maybe not just unique to the Christian community, but I think one of the ideas is that the healing and forgiveness process ought to proceed fairly rapidly. You know, Jesus uh, came to save us all, and uh, he forgives us, and God forgives us, and uh, we, t- we tend to look at that and say, well, we need to forgive each other, and we need to do that right away. Uh, we think, actually, the forgiveness, while it's an essential ingredient to uh, healing a marriage, it does, in fact, uh, take a process, you know, which does involve you know, being shocked by the, the news or the discovery of the infidelity by going through anger and sadness. Uh, it may take a lot longer than the average uh, Christian couple would like to uh, uh, understand that it will. Well, isn't that true that forgiveness requires intention? It doesn't happen without a willingness, uh, a willful granting of forgiveness. It takes courage. That's right. And as you were talking about getting help for the spouse, you know, after a man admits to sexual sin, he's often at a loss at how to help his wife. Right. And the average uh, person, not just man, but the average person is sometimes a fixer, and they would like to, given the fact that they're the ones that uh, created the harm, you know, they would like to kind of make amends for it right away, move on. And uh, what I, you know, tell the men that I work with is that this is a process over time. Uh, words are very cheap in the early days of this. You can basically say that you're going to stop doing this and that you have stopped and that you're pure today and all of that. But um, this uh, is going to need to be demonstrated over time. Um, you do have to earn trust back. And you have to uh, be consistent uh, in all of, the, uh, all of your behaviors, not just sexual behaviors. Well, and as you have spoken so eloquently on before, you stress in the book the importance of full disclosure right. as the way to jumpstart the healing process of winning back your spouse's trust. Well, you're kind of getting into this uh, section of the chapter on the four T's. Oh, I uh, wasn't aware of that. You wasn't even aware of that, uh, were you? W- no, I was not. Well, see, you are psychic, but you are also... Uh, <laughs> You know, just well aware of... A highly know, unskilled psychic. Well, uh, yes. But <laughs> the clumsy psychic. <laughs> the, yes, the inadvertent psychic. But, uh, you know, we've been discussing, actually, um, the first T, and then you uh, are segueing us into the second. But just to reiterate, the first of the four T's is time. So we were just talking about the length of the journey, the time it takes. There is some truth to the fact that time heals, and uh, that this, you know, again, is going to take longer than the average person would like for it to take. Now you're getting to the second T, which is about talking. And, uh, you know, obviously we're trying to be alliterative here with the four T's, but uh, talking is communicating. Uh, it's conversation. It's uh, learning how to tell the truth. And uh, it's not just the truth about the sexual history, the sexual behavior, uh, but it's also the truth about you know, all of your behaviors, all of your actions, and uh, uh, all of your feelings and emotions. I think the number one lie uh, that um, 
I am guilty of telling even to this day is if someone asks me how I'm feeling, like on a day like today, and I say I'm feeling fine, that might be a lie because maybe I'm not feeling fine, but I don't want to get into it with some relative stranger. So I'll just, you know, tell a little lie that I'm doing okay. That surprises me because I thought you were going to start talking about your golf scores. Well, you know, that, <laughs> that's, that's a different kind of lie. <laughs> That is trash talking, Randy, at the ah. highest level. Uh, but I, you know, yes, I've been uh, been known to uh, cushion or uh, <laughs> adjust. Maybe that's a better word. Well, for. we've we've both taken our liberties on the course before. You know, speaking of that, not to throw us off track, because I would far be it from me to throw us off track. But I do like there is a current commercial on that's a dad and his daughter and they're fixing cereal in the morning. They're obviously on their way to go play golf and the trash in talking starts immediately when she walks downstairs and goes, Oh, good morning, three putt. You know, oh, <laughs> and, yeah. Then, yeah. And, then, and then and uh then the uh the the trash talking uh ensues from there. So anyway, uh back to more important uh items, but when you said that and I accused you of embellishing on your golf score, right? Well what we were talking about there is the fact that uh and I think one of the one of the interesting things for couples uh is they heal and get help and uh heal the marriage is that I think both of them at some point will realize that they're guilty of telling lies. And uh, th- this is an advanced awareness. Uh, in the early days of this, we're going to be aware of all the lies that the husband is told to cover up sexual sin. But I think uh, uh, eventually, I think a lot of the women, if they start looking at it realistically, uh, they, they, they also at some point in their life learned how to lie or not tell the whole truth uh, to kind of cover things up or to try to maybe affect somebody else's opinion, uh, you know, that kind of thing. What segued us into the trash talk thing was uh, just the idea that, you know, sometimes we we are not telling the whole truth about what we're feeling or what we're needing or uh, uh, what's going on with us at a deeper level. And uh, what we're saying here in this section of the four T's is that Couples really need to look at talking uh, at a very deep level about how they're really doing spiritually, emotionally, what the what the stories are going on in their head and their perceptions uh, of of things. Um, and w- one of the key elements of healing is is uh, disclosure of all truth in the past, but then also moving forward, learning how to be a truth teller uh, of all things. Well, you and Tim then take us to the third T, which is touch. And you claim that we've lost the art of touch. Well, I think one of the classic things uh, in the whole field of sexuality is that the average person has confused the two basic needs for touch that God built into our brains. Uh, One uh, need for touch is just touch. I mean, uh, we sometimes refer to it as healthy touch. I think there can be healthy sexual touch, obviously, between a husband and wife, but uh, it goes back to us being babies, and you know we need a lot of touching and holding and caressing, and that produces the neurochemical oxytocin. I, I think a lot of uh, couples that are locked in a unhealthy sexuality spiral, uh, maybe both of them actually have confused that the only way they get touch uh, or give touch is uh, when it becomes sexual. Uh, I think one of the ways couples heals uh, heal is to uh, distinguish. So uh, even today, if I if I said to Debbie, I'd like to give you a hug or 
holds your hand at the show. It's not because you know my mind is has turned towards sexuality. You know, uh, I just want to be close to you. And uh, you know, later on, if I want to initiate sex, that's a whole different thing. But uh, I want my touch. I want Debbie not to associate any of my touch uh, with the intention with of the sex. intention to be sexual. Right, and it's kind of funny because that third T of touch seems to lead right into your fourth T of tenderness. Tenderness, which is again, uh, you know, a way of talking about being understanding, compassionate, empathetic, uh, and so forth. Um, we were talking to a couple this morning, and I don't think we'll embarrass them. There's no way you'd know who they are, but but it's it's um, it, it became very clear in them communicating, uh, talking to each other about their their uh, histories that they were both sexually abused. Uh, her as a little girl, uh, he as an adolescent male, and uh, uh, he is the one that you know chose to cope with that by continuing on with his sexual pursuits and that led him into pornography and some other things but uh, uh, she chose to deal with her abuse by more or less shutting down and and uh, not having a great interest in sex and uh, uh, when we're talking about tenderness you know there was a very tender moment this morning when uh, uh, they were actually holding each other's hand and I, I think they were both realizing that they were at some level uh, equally abused and that um, part of the healing journey for them is to become understanding of each other. They have the ability to be empathetic of that because they both understand what it's like to be abused. And I just had a lot of hope for them this morning that they're going to move forward as companions in this journey, uh, very tender toward each other, very compassionate toward each other, very empathetic toward each other, uh, because you know they are... Uh, um, companions in this journey they have a lot more in common than they have that separates them so those four t's once again are time talk touch and tenderness and uh, i just really love the way that you and tim have really explained that uh, that in the book so um we'll uh, as we wrap up this uh chapter uh, what what is the uh, the frosting on the cake that you can give our <laughs> listeners about about this subject well, you know, I think uh, one of the things that's important to remember is that we live in a culture where uh, well over 50% of all couples wind up divorced. So I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a huge temptation uh, when there has been sexual infidelity um, for the D word to be on the table, the divorce word to be on the table. That's a very natural reaction. I'm not uh, criticizing it. Uh, but what I'd like to wrap up by saying today is that if, in fact, uh, both people become willing to change their lives, uh, uh, to get honest with each other, to really surrender their lives to the Lord and His will for their life, primarily if you know the husband who has been unfaithful is is willing to become a man of purity and truth telling, then that you know there is a lot of hope for a marriage, and marriages can not only. As we said earlier, they can not only survive, but they will, in fact, thrive. And you know that God loves that. We thank you for joining us today. You've been listening to Dr. Mark Laser. My name's Randy Everett. I'm proud to be the co-host of the Men of Valor program. We hope that today's message has been uh, beneficial and helpful to you. And we hope that this coming week is a week that's just full of great blessings and great vision for you in your life. 
You've been listening to the Men of Valor program with Dr. Mark Laser. For information about this program or to learn more about Faithful and True, visit us at faithfulandtrue.com. That's faithfulandtrue.com.